Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Welcome back to Caustic Content, the podcast where two lifelong friends torture each other by trying to find the absolute worst thing streaming on the internet. Uh, I'm Steve, and I would say that I'm happy to be back, but uh, I'm really not because that's kind of the basis of this podcast is it's uh, it's not exactly a good time. And joining me as always, I got Adam Myros. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it sure wasn't a good time. I think we might have finally baptized our, our co-host. <laughs> yeah, show them what this show is all about. <laughs> and of course, Stephen Colvin still hanging on for dear life. How you doing, buddy? I'm um, got a good grip going here. We're really starting to wait. What does that mean? (laughs) We might have to do like a greatest hits episode where we really hit you with some hard shit so we can break you before we build you back up. (laughs) Let me introduce you to uh, the spy who boned us. (laughs) Although I think that's no longer available on Amazon Prime. I don't know where we would get that. Is that on Tubi or something? We're going to hunt that one down, Myros. Hopefully all copies have been eradicated. That's, yeah, that's what I'm hoping to, just erase them all. This, the world's better that way. I'm usually not, you know, uh, burn all the books, destroy art kind of guy, but I make some exceptions. All right. Well, Myros, before we jump into these movies, why don't you explain to our dear listeners uh, what the rules are? And I need a refresher, too, because it's, it's been a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have four main rules here. We, we've been... Dabbling with a few others, but let's stick to the four for now. We are only allowed to use what the streaming service provides us. Generally, that's Amazon Prime because they are the shit repository of the earth. And uh, yeah, if they give us a trailer, great. That helps us out. If they don't, well, sometimes you got to take the plunge. Uh, We also try to avoid found footage films because they end up being uh, too similar. Uh, It gets boring. And we have, for similar reasons, we have Godfrey Whole Claws, we call it, which is to say only one film per director. Uh, a lot of these prolific directors uh, could just fill up every episode over and over again. And nobody mm-hmm. wants to see that. Uh, lastly, it can't be anything either of us have seen before. It's got to be fresh experience for us. Uh, hopefully that lends to it being a fresh experience for you, the listener. Now. It's a shame we got the Godfrey Ho clause too, because I just I just bought that Godfrey Ho box set uh, not too long ago from Golden Ninja Video, so gonna have to find a different use for that, I suppose. <laughs> Although oh, I'm guessing Steve, uh, <laughs> all the movies order, are probably variations. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh I I went back through the archives and I figured out the score. Oh, we have it. We have the score. What, we what have the score. What, what one would assume long lost. Uh the score is actually, uh, based on my current win streak, eight to eight. We're oh, tied we're up. tied. Yeah, that's impressive. And you then how many how many draws do we have? Yeah. Uh, let's. This is episode twenty three, so that would posit that we have six ties. Well, actually, we have two special episodes as well, so we'll we'll say only four ties, I believe. Four ties, eight, eight, and four. Wow, that's pretty good. That's closer than I thought. I thought I was getting trounced. It's hard in this new era. Like, I was really good and and really digging up the uh, the warty bunions of Amazon Prime. And, and now that Jeff Bezos has ruined our podcast and, like, started, ooh, I'm going to curate things, it's really fucking me up, man. I'm, I'm 
bringing all these high quality films, you know, real movies. That's what we're dealing with now. The margins are thinner than ever before. I've employed the new strategy of not digging very deep because uh, I like to catch things as recently posted as possible before they're uh, removed from the service. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's my new strategy. It's a good don't dig too deep. Find recent stuff because that's where you're going to find the worst shit. (laughs) Yeah, because they'll be gone in a month. (laughs) Yeah. Return to Clark County will not be on this service in a month. I almost guarantee it. Yeah, if you're interested in that one, uh, you might want to jump on it soon. And hey, great segue, because first movie we're going to talk about, it's the one that you chose, Adam Myros. Uh, It's a little ditty out of upstate New York, and it might be a sequel to a movie that none of us saw before. Uh, It's called Return to Clark County, and it's only an hour long, so it's got that going for it. But uh, Myros, what the (laughs) fuck is Return to Clark County? Uh, it is, in fact, a sequel. I didn't know that ahead of time, because if you search the director on... He, he certainly doesn't have any of his other works uh, posted to Prime. Perhaps he one did, once did, and they were uh, swiftly removed. Uh, but this is actually uh, Sean Ubele's, uh first feature film. So it, it, everything wow. he'd done prior, he, he couldn't get over that hour mark. This one, he managed to get over 70 minutes. Uh, Barely. Basically... <laughs> By inserting footage from his previous films. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is a big time uh, flex. I love it when you see that. And you see it a lot in the movies we discuss for some reason. They always got to figure out a way. <laughs> it's, it up. There's, there's very often a TV in the background playing a, a, another low budget film from the, the filmmaker. But uh, this well, one's quite egregious because it, it just cuts away uh, from the person viewing the footage to the actual footage that fills the entire screen and takes up... Yeah, I'd say five minutes at least. So uh, between that and the credits, he he struggled to get this thing over feature length, but he managed. What mm-hmm. this is, is complete trash. One of the very worst movies we've done on this show, I would say. It's, uh, it is a horror movie that just steals elements from real horror movies and uh, has nothing original to say and looks like death. And it, they filmed the whole thing seemingly in one take. So there you go. It's incredible. It's incredible stuff. They had to have. I can't imagine any worse takes. This is so good. It's so good because, you know, every once in a while, you'll be watching one of these movies and someone will stumble over a line and you're like, ooh, probably should have done another take on that one. But here it's every single line that every single character says, it's the worst take possible. It's like they it, it's like they shot everything and they went through the dailies and they just threw out all the cuts where no one flubbed a line. It's just a series of bloopers. Incredible, incredible stuff. And yeah, I think I, the only guy who could deliver his lines was like the fake Hannibal Lecter. Like that guy was, he, he was doing his job. He was like a local theater actor or something. He, he could yeah. manage. They gave him some real fucking zingers to deal with about oh. like turds stuck to legs and whatnot. <laughs> He's he's really good. I also love the uh, the two law enforcement agents that we deal with. So there's uh, the, the the sheriff with the with the big like front butt. That lady, um, she's, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like she's got like that big old dump yeah. truck fupa, and then she's got her deputy who is uh, some like muscle boy, and he's wearing a shirt that's like six sizes too small for him. And both these police yeah. officers. These are not police uniforms by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, They're no. just like misshapen polos <laughs> that are tucked match, into khaki pants. No. It is beautiful. It's like a high school project. But but unlike some movies that we watch, like 
Um, <laughs> we watched a, a horror film. We had Max on as our as our guest host, and it, you know it was shot by kids, but it was clearly like it had that kind of energy to it. You're like, okay, this is like children making this movie. Whereas this movie feels very like made by an adult, but also probably the most incompetent adult alive. Just amazing shit going on here. Yeah, I mean, we watch a lot of movies that on paper resemble this. This is a pretty bog standard for what we do, but this this is just bottom fucking rung, man. <laughs> like this is one of the worst. I you would have to try to make a worse film than this. I feel like I, yeah. I felt dirty watching this. Like I, <laughs> like I shouldn't have seen this. Um, the uh, you know you brought up the deputy with this shirt that's too small. I stumbled upon ENH Productions uh, Facebook page, and I got to find Facebook profiles for half of the actors in this movie, including the sheriff. Mm. And the deputy, who, as it turns out, is a personal trainer who does <laughs> training sessions with medieval themes. Oh, wow. So it's, it's like medieval uh, times, but for gym rats and CrossFit. Yeah, it's like CrossFit LARPing or something like that. <laughs> that is that's incredible shit. Well, I have even more respect for him now. What about the gimp guy? He's cool. Can we talk about him? <laughs> I know we're bouncing around a lot oh, here. Fucking Leatherface, fake Leatherface. You gotta face? understand, like, there's, there's like, the the Leatherface guy. He's like Leatherface meets Lord Humongous, and then there's Gas Mask, and then there's like, like Marshmallow Body Harley Quinn, and then there's the guy with the male pattern baldness who's supposed to be the hero. Like he's coming back because his daughter was murdered. <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Just yeah, an see, incredible I got three, amount of shit. Three main things is what I got here. I, there's obviously a Silence of the Lambs element with uh, Hannibal Lecter that doesn't factor into the fucking movie at all. Nope. At none. all. Not at all. Uh, and there is obviously a Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. And, uh, and thirdly, I, I honestly got a Rob Zombie thing. I, I think that they were trying to do like this... Uh, I think they were trying to do like Baby and Otis and what have you. Like I think they were going for a... Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses type thing were the main reveals of these uh, villains, but I don't know. That That's just the vibe I got. Those are the three main rip-off uh, elements. <laughs> House of a Thousand Flub Lines. Uh, yeah, this is... <laughs> I actually, because the movie is so short, I, I went back, because I watched this last night, and I was, I was kind of drunk, and I went back this morning, and I tried to re-watch parts of it so I could try and grasp the the plot, and even with a sober mind, uh, one, I still think it's hilarious. Two, I feel like I'm watching someone's home videos that I shouldn't be watching. Like, it feels, like, deeply personal and perverse that I'm even watching this giant fucking train wreck of a movie. Exactly, yeah. And three, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on at all. Like, I, I could not fully comprehend the plot in any meaningful way. Oh, um, come on. The plot makes sense, right? So <laughs> we have we have our, like, James Gandolfini uh fucking protagonist here uh if james gandolfini was made out of wax and was left out apologies to the late great james gandolfini (laughs) um yeah uh, that seems to be what they're going for some sort of hardened new york military man uh come back to avenge his daughter or something but he comes back to town uh where his daughter was murdered uh, some time ago it's it's unclear exactly when and uh he is talking to the police to try and get her files and investigate mm-hmm. this further or maybe get some closure. It's it's kind of unclear why exactly he's there. 
but he he quickly becomes deputized uh, because of a, a new string of murders occurring in the town. Um, and essentially, it, it, there's no plot beyond that. The plot beyond that is that it turns out the sheriff and the mayor are the people perpetrating the murders, and they try and kill uh, the deputy and our, our hero. Uh, the and, end. And it is revealed that the sheriff and the mayor are husband and wife, right? Or am I... Uh, I don't know that they're married, but they are a couple. Yes, they are. Yeah. They are, in fact, a couple. And the, the mayor is dressed in a gas mask and goes by the name Dr. Lazarus, which no one in the movie could say. Uh, no. Lazareth <laughs> most often. But uh, yeah, again, Rob Zombie. That's, it's a real Dr. Satan scenario here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, And that's what I mean by, too, with the whole I, I did not understand the plot because it feels like it's a setup. And then it just sort of drifts to the end, and you're like, okay, what, what, what's the, what's the movie? So you, the guy comes back because his daughter was killed, and then they just kill him because he's poking around. That's it. That's the whole. That's it. There's nothing else to it, really. Um, but yeah, other than that, man, it just, it really, really rides on that delivery. Holy shit! I think okay. So if you, if you had to, to pin down the absolute worst actor or actress in this film. I'm tempted to go with uh, Sheriff Fupa, but <laughs> underrated, terrible performance by the school teacher. Oh, the whole school scene. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus school, Christ. Pick your poison in that dying. classroom. <laughs> I was like crying when I was watching that because it was so fucking terrible. I was just laughing uncontrollably at their. It just, it's. I like how the flub ruined the script in that scene and they still did not fucking redo it because the the whole conceit (laughs) is this student is giving a report about this serial killer and she says that the the killer has five confirmed victims and some uh, smart ass in the class interrupts. Oh, no, no. She she has four confirmed victims, except he says five. He says five and then flubs it and goes, uh, uh, I mean four. And they just leave that cut in. No, that's good. That's a good take. It's fine. It's great. One take. One take, man. It's uh, it's a Dogmay 95 film, but, you know, uh, horror slasher. I'm sure Lars von Trier would be proud. The sheriff does have at least one good scene, I think, when they're having dinner. And it's supposed to be this romantic dinner. And they're out like some like family restaurant. And it's playing that really weird, like, disjointed <laughs> polyrhythm music. <laughs> and she's just, like, raving about this fucking burger that he needs to get. And obviously she drugs him. But, like, oh. He's like, oh, I'm lightheaded. She's like, ah, oh, that burger kicked your ass, didn't it? I feel like <laughs> that was, like, the scene she was the most excited to participate in. Because it's the one time she doesn't flub her lines in the entire film. Mm-hmm. That whole scene is great, too, because not only are you right, that's like her big shining moment. That's her Oscar moment. But that scene kind of it kind of sums up the whole movie. It's a great microcosm because they set it up like it's supposed to be a fancy restaurant. OK, like the waiters in like a shirt and tie. And she's like, oh, this fine dining, great food, amazing food, blah, blah, blah. And then. It, the, the camera kind of zooms out a little bit and it looks like they're at some like rundown 24 hour fucking ram's horn in like Cleveland. <laughs> it's just, it looks like shit. And then, but then they, they go back in and it's just like, oh no, white tablecloth restaurant. That's what this is. And then she's going on and on about the food. And then 
she but she insists that he orders the burger at the gourmet restaurant that looks like a shitty diner. It's just insane. It's all these things that are are just working against each other. And sometimes you have that like that tension in a movie where, oh, th this thing is distracting because it's broken and wrong with everything else the movie is telling me. But with Return to Clark County, everything is wrong and, and hypocritical all the time. It's just like all these different voices screaming at each other. And that's that's the whole movie. Really beautiful, impressive stuff. You do not get this shitty on, on purpose. It's just a beautiful, beautiful accident. Uh, the likes of which you, you rarely ever see. Incredible. I, I gotta, I gotta say, uh, as a PSA, if a guy who looks like our protagonist eats a cheeseburger and then feels faith, you should probably call a doctor. That's yeah, I agree. Yeah. He's <laughs> right on fucking death's door. We shouldn't make jokes about what the burgers do to the man. Exactly, exactly. I don't think his cholesterol is at a good place. Honestly, I would guess not. No, probably not. He's he's barely squeezing into those Wranglers. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and he's stumbling through the movie like hammering a flask the whole time and I feel like that's not even part of the script I feel like this guy's just carried a flask with him the entire yeah, time he's yeah. low key functioning alcoholic oh um, yeah oh yeah for sure for sure I whew, I don't know man Yeah, Re Return to Clark County is special and this one it's a 2019 movie but I feel like it was just dropped on Amazon because there's no way this one could have stuck around for more than a few months right Oh, I'm pretty sure it is recent. I didn't go that far into the, I, you know, I wanted to pick a horror movie for October here, but uh, I didn't, I was probably on page two, maybe of the listings when I got to this thing. So I'm guessing it was very recently posted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'd also like to point out too, normally we like to offer up uh, reviews of the movie that may contradict what we're saying. In other words, we're like, oh, this is shitty, but we like to look at like the five-star reviews and people say, you know, it's not that bad. Just get that other perspective. Uh, with Return to Clark County, uh, sometimes... No there's Yeah, there's, there's no reviews. There's no reviews. Sometimes, you know, you look at the reviews like, oh, everything's negative. Ha ha, okay. But this time, there's, there's literally nothing. There's nothing to go from. So, um, yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> that's Return to Clark County. So yeah, if uh, you've had about six beers at least, six beer minimum, and you want to laugh at one of the most inept things I've ever seen, where uh, maybe there was one take for every single scene in the entire movie, return to Clark County. That's where you want to go. Oh, uh, I, I can't even believe you, you suggest such a thing. I, I, don't <laughs> I do it, people. Someone watch don't this. do it. Do not. I'm asking you. I'm asking you to dance with the fucking devil tonight. This thing is 72 <laughs> minutes long, and I could barely, I could barely fucking get through it. It was just, it was like a complete torture. I felt like I, I wanna, was in, I the, a physical in the lab media release. Dr. fucking Lazareth myself. <laughs> I want I, I want a physical media release. I need a DVD with a director's commentary on it. So, Sean Ukulele, if you're listening, uh, I, I don't know, man, like... <laughs> Round up your boys, John Fava and Robert Davis and Valerie Roscoe, and just just do a little little director and uh, actor commentary. We'd really enjoy that. Uh, so yeah. there is. We we should briefly touch on the ending because none of it makes sense. I mean, oh, sure. Deputy and uh, hero, military man, uh, escape and they murder all the murderers. So then mm -hmm. he he randomly picks up a, a hitchhiker. On his way out of town, and uh, 
Not before, again, struggling to that feature-length mark where they he stops at a convenience store to ask for directions for no goddamn reason at all. It's like the yeah. fucking convenience store clerk like paid to get in the movie or something. I don't even fucking know. Uh, yeah, so he picks up this hitchhiker who... And we didn't touch on, on the running motif of, of Pop Goes the Weasel. In this oh, film. yeah, that, oh, the hit song. We love yeah, it, folks. Which, which is the featured... The alternative lyrics. Yeah, it's featured in three different renditions in the first five minutes of the movie. There, there are three different styles uh, of, of Pop Goes the Weasel performances. And uh, yeah, it, it finally comes back at the end. It, and, and this hitchhiker busts into Pop Goes the Weasel, which our hero has been uh, receiving in his nightmares, which are apparently psychic in some way. I don't, that's not explored. But, uh, yeah, she starts singing and, and uh, murders him and apparently is the killer from the first movie. Uh, didn't die for some reason. No, wait, that's not accurate. She's the granddaughter. She's the daughter of the killer from the first movie and the granddaughter of the killers in this movie, I think. <laughs> yeah, the granddaughter of the sheriff and the mayor, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then for some reason also uh, Dr. But it- Dr. Lazarus comes back at the very end. Well, I mean, he is Lazarus. I guess it mm-hmm. makes sense that he would rise from the grave. Isn't uh, the hitchhiker at the end of the movie also the same girl who was like doing the report at the very beginning of the movie in the classroom scene? Ooh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Oh, little, That's little. How she's able to confirm there. the five murders. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's right. That's probably accurate. Yeah, I, I, you see, this script is smarter than you think. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Lots of Maybe wrinkles. someone paid a little more attention. Still more boring than you can imagine. But. <laughs> uh, oh, guys, I have some good news before we move on to the next movie. Um, I, uh, I I went to try and find the E&H Productions uh, Facebook or, you know, like website. There is no website. They have a Facebook. Uh, they I was looking for information to purchase a, a DVD of Return to Clark County and uh, doesn't seem like it is readily available. However... If you send them a message on Facebook or email Productions 5 like the number 5, at gmail.com, um, for $8, they can send you, uh, oh no, $10. It says $8 in the, the, the message on Facebook, or the, the post on Facebook, but then the image says $10. For $10, you can get Return to Clark County on DVD, all yours, okay? So... Just an option there. Also, Antiheroes is available. Antiheroes, of course, is the movie that plays within the movie repeatedly. So, you know, if you want to see the whole thing, all available to you on E&H uh, Productions Facebook. Really great don't stuff. Don't do it. Shout out to Mr. Ukulele. Yeah, usually we do a little cursory research into these people, too. So you, you would assume that if you Googled Sean Ukulele or whatever, uh, that he, you know, you get LinkedIn profiles, you get Facebook stuff. But usually... With a movie this caliber, I'm assuming I'm going to get a LinkedIn page that says he's like a fucking lawyer or something. But no, no, he seems to consider himself a professional filmmaker, which is full time gig. uh, Insane. Mm hmm. Yeah, he's making that money, baby. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Well, thank you for blessing us, Mr. Ukulele, and uh, look forward to your next movie. Can't wait for Clark County 3. Clark County 3, fingers crossed. It's going to happen one day. All right. Well, while Myros brought us the uh, incredible amateur production, uh, Return to Clark County, uh, I, I thought I'd do a, a real a real spook fest for you guys, something a little scary. <laughs> um, so hopefully I, I tickled your spooky bone 
because I chose a movie <laughs> called <laughs> The Ghost Knows. So, Stephen Coleman, my question to you is, what the fuck does the ghost know? What, what, do we ever find out what the ghost actually knows in this movie? I I don't think we do. No. Um, it just knows. <laughs> it just knows. That's it what knows. it does. It just knows. So, this movie is, it's about a family that goes to like a vacation home and allegedly uh, someone was murdered there, which they don't know at the time, and then blah, 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 and their son gets possessed, and then their daughter gets possessed, and then the end. So pretty bog standard story. This is another one where we've seen this a hundred different times. But boy, does this one go in fun directions. Um, <laughs> so wait, maybe the ghost knows. Maybe it's an I know who killed me scenario. That's what the ghost oh, knows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Classic I know who killed me. Yeah. Is that Lindsay Lohan, right? Is that yeah, a Lohan yeah. joint? That's, that's correct. Yeah. Great one. Great one. I mean, this is uh, director Swathy Baskers, I know who killed me. Uh, yeah. So this one starts off probably like the hottest start to maybe any movie we've done for this show. Just an incredible out the gate energy here, like a shotgun blast, wherein someone dressed in a skeleton costume from Halloween USA. <laughs> I, I call it like, more of a zombie Frankenstein. Yeah, it's it's real great stuff. Um <laughs> it's a dollar store special. They sneak up to this woman and like pretend to scare her, but then they're like, haha, I'm just it's just me. But then they put the mask back on and they actually like murder her. Is is that that's how it goes? It's like this weird super drunk. Yeah, and then an actual murder occurs. Um and then Again, one of the greatest scenes in the history of cinema, as far as I'm concerned, this is like some Citizen Kane level shit, wherein he drags the woman's corpse into the backyard of this uh, house, digs a shallow grave, tosses her in it, puts a giant cross on top yeah. of the grave. And when I say Discreet. giant, I'm talking like eight feet tall, just fucking like the, huge. Like the actual <laughs> cross that Christ was crucified yeah, on. The it. actual <laughs> cross. Like this is... <laughs> This this is the cross they were reserving for Barabbas before Jesus got him, you know, <laughs> got him taken care of. So they put the giant Barabbas cross on top of the shallow grave, and then the guy in the skeleton suit says, "It's ghost time." <laughs> it's ghost time. <laughs> oh, it's motherfucking just. It's ghost time. What? What does that mean? It, it, I feel He's like this wrong. is even more insane than you described because just the dialogue leading up to that is is equally fucking madness. Like, oh, it's baddie. It's real bad. He baddie. creeps up on this woman and he goes like, it's a harsh world out there. You got to toughen up after he's trying to spook her in his skelly suit. And then he, <laughs> and, and then it just cuts to them having wine, which he seemingly pours a shitload of whiskey into her wine. Yeah, it's and, weird. Uh, and she just like fucking throws it back. She just chugs this fucking thing, which slams must be, it. It must taste vile. I can't, mm. Red wine and whiskey is that something you just fucking down the hatch? 
uh, especially when you're a small child, uh, you know, 16 year old having your first glass of wine or something. Oh but, my God. I'm going to, I'm going to make that cut next time. We, we, you know, when COVID's over, we get to hang out in person. I'm going to make you guys ghost nose cocktails and it's just going to be <laughs> a triple pour of like an $8 Malbec from the grocery store that I'm going to dump like Seagram seven into. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so then he brings her, he brings her these uh, glasses of wine and he just goes like, it's our first date. And then she just slams the wine and he, fucking kills her and then it's ghost time yeah it's ghost time what what okay it's what why you would assume it, what? these people had like a, a relationship with this whole creeping up and whatnot and then the, to cut to it's our first date i'm like why, why would you go on a date with this fucking maniac and what is the date like you went over to his weird secluded home i don't i guess strange. it sort of makes sense once the reveal happens yeah, they do have I, a pre-existing relationship, and they, they probably are at his home. Yeah, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher there. Also, why wasn't the movie just called It's Ghost Time instead of The Ghost Knows? I mean, that's uh, the better movie. titular line. <laughs> better movie. Yeah. Oh, and then things get real spicy from there, too, because we immediately shoot into the credits, and uh, this is one of those fun movies because, you know, there, there's a dark time for independent cinema like you know, 10 years ago or so where like digital cameras are readily available, but everything just looked like shit. And now it's like everything is in sharper contrast, which means your incompetence as a filmmaker is all the more apparent because now your excuse isn't like, well, you know, my camera kind of sucks. Now it's like, no, your, your camera is shooting in beautiful high definition, but everything you do is stupid. So they have a, a reasonable, what I would imagine is like a DSLR or something like that camera. And they really went in big and they invested in a steady cam and a drone, which they abused the fuck out of throughout the entire oh, yeah. movie. <laughs> Two oh. degrees. I have never seen like this guy. He's like, I spent $150 on this fucking drone and we are going to use it every single opportunity that we possibly can. Like this guy would shoot in a dinner scene with a drone. Yeah, if he could. It shoots fucking dialogue <laughs> with a goddamn drone. <laughs> it's incredible stuff. <laughs> I've never seen more drone footage in a movie before. But so they, they cut immediately into like drone footage of this car, like driving down the road and we get the credit sequence and I love a good credit sequence with typos in it. Let me tell you. And this one has a few, although my absolute favorite is, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're the, the credits are overlaid, but they also have this like weird, like poofy smoke effect over them. So you're like, Ooh, special effects credits. And when they get to the credit for special effects and animation, Animation is spelled wrong, so it says animation. <laughs> it's like special effects in animation. Poof. So it's like the 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 guys who did the special effects and animation spelled fucking a animation wrong, and no one noticed. Okay, great, awesome. Uh, yeah, and uh, and then we're we're off to the races, and this is. In addition to being a movie that abuses the old uh, uh, drone footage more than any movie I've ever seen, it is also just terminally Canadian. Deeply, deeply Canadian. Uh, so much so that, I mean, there's some thick accents. There's a proud Canadian flag flying. Uh, the, the daughter in the movie, like the teen daughter, she sleeps in jeans, like jean shorts, <laughs> which is, you want to talk about Canadian. That's pretty fucking Canadian. Real, real committed to the denim. So, oh, God. Yeah, it's just like 
I don't know. It's like a generic possession movie, but everyone talks like they're in the movie Fargo. I, I, that's that's pretty much the long and short of it. To me, this movie's sold on like its first half hour. Like after that, oh, yeah. it, it kind of gets iffy. But I was so entertained in the opening half hour that I I could almost deal with it. Like this whole thing <laughs> where they're visiting the cabin and every single... I, I think they might have rented the drone because at a certain point it goes away. <laughs> but in the yeah. first half hour of this thing... It is every shot is a fucking drone oh, shot. Drone fest. Drone and fest. so they visit this cabin and which they rent for a million dollars. Oh, no. Right? Yeah, he's a like, cool so they got it for a cool mill. <laughs> this this father's dialogue. He like pulls up oh, to the house and he goes amazing. up to his sleeping son's like, we've arrived at Jurassic Park. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> And, and he, he wakes up everybody in the car individually with his with their Very own strange. zinger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, he just talks to his wife. and He's like, turns out I bought this place for a cool mill. And uh, just then they go fishing and his daughter hooks a dead fish, which is supposed to be ominous, I guess. Instead, it's just yeah, fucking like a ridiculous. shark hook. <laughs> They're fishing in like a little pond and, and they have a hook that's like the size of my arm. Like. And then the wife gets uh, an evil dead cam coming for her, uh, which amounts mm-hmm. to nothing. And uh, the actual haunting involves the son flying a kite into the uh, the place of the skull there. Golgotha, uh, his kite inadvertently <laughs> goes there and he's possessed by uh, the ghost time ghost. Yeah, ghost time. The ghost knows that it's ghost time. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you, too, that this one, it's real hot out the gate. First 20, 30 minutes, pure comedy gold. Um, underrated line from the dad, because he's got several lines that are amazing. And you got to understand, too, his his character is, he's kind of like a tech business millionaire guy, I guess. Uh, that is like how Canadian. he's credited. It's te- yeah. uh, like Al- IT, I guess. It mm-hmm. doesn't mention that in the movie at all. He's it's the Steve IMDb. Jobs of Alberta. <laughs> uh, but he, he has this line where he's about to go to work and he's like arguing with someone on the phone. I, I wrote it down because it was so dumb. I just had to like, it, I had to document it. He says, tell him to put it on the cloud or I'll put him on the cloud. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Steve just Jobs poetry. thing is actually directly cited to it in a way that is complete fucking nonsense where he's arguing with his wife and his wife's like, you won't even let your kids use cell phones like the other kids. What are you, Steve Jobs? I'm like, what? What? What does that mean? <laughs> is that a factoid about Steve Jobs? I didn't know. But he, was he keeping the iPhone from his relatives or something? <laughs> Maybe that's a thing. I, I don't know. I have no I clue. Know. Maybe Swathy's done his research here. I don't know. Oh, and also, like, a, a lot of the lines of dialogue, uh, Mr. Swathy Basker clearly got, like, he went to, like, a fucking pottery barn and was just writing down slogans on reclaimed wood because <laughs> <laughs> there's this part in the beginning where his wife is just like, Oh, dance like nobody's watching or something like that. And he's just like, oh, you have such a way with words that I will never have. It's like, that's the most trite shit I've ever fucking heard in my life. Oh, yeah. She said, and then she's like, speaking poetically, you're a galaxy filled with a noble star. (laughs) What? What is happening? Oh, my God. We find out later that this Canadian dad is actually a murderer, but it's just like, damn, dude, how have you not strangled your wife yet? How did you just kill a random girl? Uh, But... The movie, it, it, once it actually gets to the possession, which is the meat and potatoes of this film, it really starts to lose it. You know, you think they're going to like be in this house and there's going to be some spooktacular haunting and then some possession action maybe. But no, the kid gets possessed and then 
They go to the doctor. And this doctor rocks because in a cast of extreme Canadian people, he's somehow maybe the most Canadian. And he he runs out because he sees the spooky ghost inside of the child after the child is possessed and it freaks him out. And then the next day he meets uh, the Canadian dad for coffee somewhere to tell him that he needs to go see an exorcist. And he's like, I've been seeing spooky ghosts now and I can't handle it. And then he looks over and there's just a Chinese lady dressed like a Native American in like a fucking yeah. headdress. Seemingly nothing, not connected to the actual ghost in any way. I, no, I don't know. It's, it's never brought happening. up again, but he just looks over and it's just like, I don't know, like High Chief Bai Ling is just looking over at him like, what the fuck is this? I thought we were going to, we were going like a Manitou route here or something. I'm like, well, no. is a Native American ghost? No, 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 that's nothing no. to do with anything. There's nothing to do with anything. It was just like, let's do a weird racism in the middle of our Canadian possession film. Okay, cool. Great one. <laughs> and it's it's literally it's just this three second scene where he looks over and she like makes eye contact with him and then that's it that it's done it's yeah. not a jump scare it's just like uh, what what the fuck did i just see what is this doctor anyway he's not introduced like i would have assumed he was just like a, a random physician working on their son and then it, it is later revealed that he is uh the it magnate's business partner and family yeah. doctor and best family friend. doctor yeah. Friend, yeah. Why Correct. would a doctor be the business partner of an IT man? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. And there's other weird layers to this too, because um, so the son is possessed and then the doctor gets murdered. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the doctor, when he had his panic, like I saw the Asian Indian moment, um, he, was going on and on. He's like, oh, yeah, there's this guy. He's, he's downtown. He knows the Tibetan Book of the Dead front to back, and he's a good guy to exercise the demons from your son. And then Canadian dad's like, oh, no, nah, no, I don't think so. And then after the doctor dies, for some reason, the detective from the crime scene calls Canadian dad, and he's just like, yeah, we got a real situation down here. Uh, it looks like your, uh, your, your best bud's dead, so I figured I'd give you a little ring. What? He's just calling people from the crime? He's just go through his phone? He's just like, was he labeled best friend or something? You're like, I better call this guy. <laughs> and so, and then after that phone call, uh, super Canadian, like he, he's just like this jerry curled, like SCTV background player or something. I don't know. He shows up and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Mr. Exorcism doctor. Amantini. Amantini. Yeah. Amantini. Uh, oh, that can be the name of the drink when you take the cheap red wine, you pull the uh, and you pour the the cheap whiskey. It's the Amantini. <laughs> so he shows up and he said, "Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I came over because uh, the moment that your best friend died, he uh, he called me in the exact moment that he died, and he said that uh, you needed an exorcism over here. So I figured I'd mosey on down, and I know it was the exact moment because the uh, the police report uh, listed the exact time of death." It's like what, like uh, fucking five minutes ago, he got a, a call from the uh, the actual crime scene. Like the, this whole setup is asinine and just completely bat brained. And then, so they bring the sun out, and I figure the way this movie is going because at this point we're we're pretty deep into the movie. We're like halfway, and it's like right. okay, we're finally gonna get to some like oh exorcism possession shenanigans. Like we're gonna go in the that direction. No, no, no. The sun comes in, and he just goes. You know, bibbidi bobbidi boo. Okay, you're you're good, man. You're fine. 
Sounds fine. Everything's chill. It, it, it's it's like 10 seconds, right? And you're like, well, what the fuck? There's still like an hour left in this movie. Uh-huh. And then the daughter gets possessed. And this is where the whole thing, like like you said, the first 30 minutes or so, there's 20 to 30 minutes, comedy gold. And the second 30 minutes or so, it's, you're kind of like, okay, where's this going? It's kind of boring. Third, the, the final third of this movie, the last 30 minutes, just completely plummets off a cliff and it goes in a very strange direction wherein all of a sudden, uh, what's his name? Amantini is our new main protagonist and the son possession thing totally out the window and now it's the daughter possession thing which is a totally different possession that Amantini is struggling with. It's this whole fucking mess. I guess... Incredible shit. The spirit jumped from one sibling to the next, I guess, via via the the spooky kite. But the, okay, so w- w- he does. He jumps with the spooky kite. But why can Amantini just go bibbity bobbity boo and the ghost is out of the sun? But then as soon as the daughter gets, he's like, "Oh no, this is a tough one." Like, <laughs> what fucking difference does it make? The thing is that the ghost was never in the sun at the point when Amantini arrived. The spooky kite in the basement happened prior to okay, the arrival of okay. Amantini. So the the ghost had already exited the the boy. So the boy was was deemed not possessed. I I had wondered if he was ever possessed at all, and if he he was just like a creepy little kid. Yeah, I think he's a creepy little obsessed with his that scene where he sucks the blood out of his mom's finger. (laughs) God, what is this? Something was going to get brought up. So, did this kid have leukemia or what? It's like a throwaway line, like early in the movie. Oh yeah, bloody noses means. Yeah, he has bloody nose, and that means he could have leukemia. And I don't know if she was just like web MDing herself into a hole, or I know were they afraid? But they they were kind of like protective towards him throughout the first act, I would say. So I'm like, is he like recovering from leukemia? Is that a plot point? It's like, no, it's just a line we threw it and then forgot. I thought at first I thought he was like special needs, and then I thought he was just a creepy dipshit, and then I was like, oh, leukemia. But I I don't know. It all comes to nothing. He exits the movie pretty much. Oh, he yeah, just becomes his thing. only further function in the film is to untie his sister inexplicably when they're, when they're waiting for Amantini <laughs> to arrive. Yeah, they're waiting for the exorcist to come, and he's seen his sister as a possessed ghoul, and she's like laying in bed, ghouling it up, and she's like, "Oh, hey, could you like untie me? That'd be really cool, and I'll give you money." And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> it's like, yeah. what the, you little shit. Why would you do that? <laughs> what is your fucking problem? You know that's stupid. No, maybe well, you know, the um, ghost knows, and so he knew, too, that, that his father was secretly a murderer, so he, he was just uh, moving the process along. Yeah, and uh, there's another great dad line here. So after Amantini, <laughs> when he comes in and he's, and he's like, well, Amantini has to like drive around all God's green earth to do who the fuck knows what monologue and anyone that'll listen to him. Well, he's and trying to the solve we, the murder. Uh, so we should talk them, about. So. I, I want to talk about where the fuck he goes because it's confusing me. But uh, we'll proceed yeah, with the I, dad I line. Okay, so the, the dad line, like where he's finally the dad is like spilling to Amantini because Amantini's like, I think that you are the one who killed the ghost girl, and now the ghost is coming back to fuck with you and your family. And he's like, ha ha ha, yes, it, it was me, blah blah blah. And he's like, I used to be her computer programming teacher. And she was brilliant. And she wrote software that you couldn't even comprehend. And that's pretty funny. And then he goes, it was worth billions. So I killed her and took it. And now I have millions of dollars. Like, it was worth billions and you only have millions of dollars? It sounds like you got fucking boned on this one, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) 
some businessman you are. You commit a fucking murder for billion dollar software and you only make a couple mil off it. That's not great. Not really great. So, so, so uh, yeah, I want to get into the, the ghost and, and how Amatini solves this whole thing by visiting what seems like some sort of like old world, like Romanian village or something. I don't even fucking understand how this is meant to be Canada. It, it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe like farmers or something, but they act like they're, they're, there's no one within 50 miles of them or something. And they, uh, it looks like Canadian farmer town because like the, the old man that he visits is like bursting out of his denim coveralls. Right. So. Oh God, and these are just, that. they're beefy white Canadians, right? And their daughter yeah, is, is Asian. Yes. Oh, uh, Hispanic? Her name is like Esther Hernandez or something. Right, I, I didn't think the actress was Hispanic. Though. What, what is her middle name, too? Like, no, her, the her name is Esther, Esther, McGarethuv, Esther McGarethuv Sanchez. Okay, yeah, I thought it was, I was like Esther Mufaleta something. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. McGarethuv, okay, I, there we go. Again, this movie is something because we've got, we've got this McGarethuv. Is, it must not be a middle name. It must be part of the, the surname there because it's used for another character as well. Augustus McGarethuv Sanchez, which is in the credits. McGarethuv is spelled differently both times. Uh, mm -hmm. And also, that's what are we doing? Like, th this is fucking insane. Why is the character named Esther McGarethuv Sanchez? <laughs> like, why not? I don't know, because it doesn't take place in like fucking. Castilian Spain or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a horror movie from the uh, Canadian Basque region. <laughs> I yeah, I I don't I don't know. But yeah, so this so he he finds the guy. How does Amantini find the surly Canadian white family and discover that it's their daughter that was murdered? Like how does it even happen? What 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 comes together to make that happen? Because I'm very confused how Amatini comes across so, his family. Here's what happens. He has a ritual wherein he invokes the ghost and forces the ghost to tell him its name. At which point we are introduced to uh, Esther McGarethuf Sanchez, which is then stated approximately 50 times throughout the remainder of the film. Um, then he uh, Googles Esther McGarethuf Sanchez, finds the story of this uh, disappeared girl, missing girl from X number of years ago, uh, presumably hunts down the parents and solves the murder by uh, reading the yearbook and seeing that this father was actually the teacher. Uh, I guess he could just connect it to dots because the ghost is, is haunting her killer. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> checks out. Oh, God. Checks out. It all checks out. And then, of course, there's the confrontation and... Uh, uh, Amantini and, and the dad go toe to toe and there's ghosts happening and Amantini gets shot in a weird way but then he's able to like do demon chants and get rid of the demon even though he's bleeding out and then the dad gets his throat cut it's a whole it's a whole thing it really is a whole thing and but there is a nice cliffhanger yeah. ending so Hopefully, uh, I mean, this this came out in 2017. Hopefully, after COVID is over, uh, Swathy Basker can get to work on The Ghost Knows again. Or The uh, Ghost, Ghost Knows Still too. Knows. Ghost Still Knows. The Ghost Still Knows. Uh, or uh, the subtitle is, it's The Ghost Knows, subtitle Evil Begins. So now it could be The Ghost Knows, Evil Continues. You know, or maybe Evil Ends. Who knows? A lot of options for Swathy Basker. 
Yeah, uh, this movie is fucking strange. It's a strange one. I was <laughs> the whole time uh, again. The the first half hour is the only thing that you, has you questioning anything. But I'm like, why? Who is this director? Why are these choices being made? And I guess that he's like got an Indian film background. Makes some sense. It's got like this sort of the drone usage, which probably is not drone usage in, in like modern Bollywood blockbusters, but the it, the movement sort of mimics a lot of what you'll see in like really over the top action movies in the last 10 years out of India, I would say, but mm -hmm. uh, that checked out to me, I suppose, but it, it's very curious to see in a atmospheric horror movie that that's not the sort of uh, yeah. technique. And it looks like apply. hot shit too. I, I just, I want to, I yes. want to reinforce that where like, <clears throat> this is it's it's like crisp and high definition, uh, which uh, the return to Clark County is not high definition. Oh, um, no, no, it is not. No, it's like shot on like a 2007 Android phone or something. But it, it this movie, we were, I was talking about this earlier, where it's like you have the you have the technology, you have the equipment. But if you don't know what to do with it, it doesn't fucking matter. And this is a great example because there's all kinds of shots that are completely out of focus. And then you can just like slowly see the autofocus adjusting and then putting the shot into focus. And it's really jarring. And also the entire movie has this like blue tint to it. And it's not like a color gel thing. It's just like you did color correction wrong. I'm not sure. It, it almost looks like the whole thing is shot day for night, but like the daytime scenes are also blue and fucked up, but it's not enough to be like, Oh, this is a clear aesthetic choice because spooky time. It just looks like shit. And I don't understand it. I, I think I, you mean ghost time. It's ghost time, yeah. Uh, it's ghost time, bitches. Yeah, I I don't know. There's also a moment, uh, I'd say about two-thirds of the way through the film, uh, right before the daughter gets possessed, where the ghost is kind of like uh, standing behind her and moving her hair while she's trying to do uh, some sort mm -hmm. of meditation. Yeah. Um, there is a moment, and I rewound it about a thousand times to try and see if I could catch the exact frame, but I, I couldn't get the video player to work for me. But there's something, uh, like a digital effects artifact. There's a big rectangle that's just <laughs> pops in at the side of her face, and I, I'm like, what What the fuck is that? What is that? It's got to be something. It's an animation. <laughs> yeah. it, it's something VFX related that was not properly edited out of the shot, but uh, there you go. Mm -hmm. There you what go. we're dealing with here. Uh, old Swathy. And this was financed by a province, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. It's in the credits. Alberta. It's courtesy of Alberta. Curtis, thank you, Alberta, for this beautiful cultural artifact that you've given us. Um, well, you know, I, I think we all thought this was a giant pile of shit. Um, but I am curious to see if anyone actually enjoyed The Ghost Knows. And it turns out there is, like, one or two okay reviews. So Miss Stephanie Showers on Amazon gave this three out of five stars and said, Wait, hey. Stephanie Showers? Stephanie Showers. And it's Stephanie spelled S-T-E-P-H-A-N-Y, which is a fucked up Stephanie name, probably Canadian. Stephanie Showers, she doesn't like baths. She says, you know what? I really like this movie. It dragged in places. More of a family movie with no horror, but it's a good movie. <laughs> this is a family movie? What? Like four families or just a movie about a family? I, sure. Sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> there's a negative review, but the title of the review just says it's ghost time in all capitals. So shout out to that guy. <laughs> um, there is one four star review. 
Uh, and, and this one says, I give this four stars because I made it to the end wanting to know what happens. <laughs> okay. Uh, the storyline is compelling. Mm, disagree. The acting is meh. Being generous, sir. And the effects are just bad. We'll agree there. I wish it could have been made with more money. There were a couple of... Tw How much more money do you need? Like, Alberta gave you all the Alberta money. Like, what... Anyways, there were a couple of twists I didn't see coming, so that was cool. I hated the ending, which means I had time invested in the characters. I guess that's good, too. You hated the... That's, like, the only twist is the twist at the end, right? Like, what What other twists are there? I. So, and then he says, uh, the exorcist describing his coffee was the funniest part. The saddest part was the exorcist talking to the parents of the ghost. Watch it in the background if you have time to kill. I had paperwork to do. It all worked out. So uh, he says it's a, it's a four-star movie to watch while you're filling out paperwork. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Mr. Coleman, uh, what did you think about this one? I mean, I, I feel like we haven't gotten your full ghost nose experience. Like, how did you, when you experienced ghost time, what was ghost time like for you? Uh, it, was, it was long. It was a long... <laughs> long ghost time <laughs> it's a very long ghost um, time i just i think i mentioned this before we started recording like i felt like the the parents looked like a canadian version of like aaron Rodgers and danica patrick <laughs> so that distracted me for a while yeah uh, in fact when we were talking about the big reveal i must have checked out because i did not realize that <laughs> that he the ghost knows that the father killed her hmm yeah, I missed that plot point completely. <laughs> so now I'm like, I'm actually watching the movie right now in the background. Mm, uh, mm. I'm not doing, doing any paperwork. paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost knows, but Steve Coleman doesn't know, unfortunately. Four stars. Perfect for podcasting about the movie as you watch it. <laughs> the sound editing was awful on this, too. It was almost worse than Clark Return to Clark County. Yeah. Very bad, yeah. And a lot of this, again, every time this movie tried to be spooky, it would just, I don't know. It had like this stock noise from fucking Evil Dead 2 or something. It's not spooky Dude, at all. It's just like ridiculous. That stock noise, it sounds like when you kill, okay, if you're playing Duke Nukem 3D and you kill the basic enemies, not the pig cops, but like the little guys that just walk around and they have jetpacks sometimes, those guys, okay? The, like the first enemy that you encounter in Duke Nukem 3D. And when you kill them, they go, and that's the noise. It's just the Duke Nukem 3D noise. <laughs> Very Fucking spooky. Wild. Yeah. Not spooky. It just, it just completely threw me off. I'm like, what? I've heard that before. And I, I was thinking, I was like, is that the, the imp noise from Doom? I'm like, nope, Duke Nukem. That's totally Duke Nukem. So. It it there just, you go. The whole th it kept reminding me, especially because he also was employing fucking Evil Dead Cam for no reason. Again, keep in mind what type of horror movie you're trying to make here. Uh, not one that has the pacing of fucking Evil Dead. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. that, that technique was employed uh, when they were renting the uh, drone for the first portion of the movie. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that noise, that fucking... I'm like, God damn it, this... This is a very strange, very unfortunate choice. Uh, this movie's full of them. I, I was trying to think who the father reminded me of, and I, I think it was like Peter Serafinowitz or something. He's just got this really muscly, uh, slick Wall Street look about him, but he's a terrible actor. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. Well, I guess we should, we should weigh in on these. So I'm going to give my final defense here. Um, we have two movies in front of us here that, in my mind, both atrocities. No questions asked. Now, 
Does that mean they're totally not worth your time? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like Mr. It's good if you have time to kill and you're doing paperwork. Like the first 30 minutes of Ghost Knows will entertain you. And there's enough flub lines and what the fuck moments in Return to Clark County that, you know, same thing. If you if you have between six and ten beers, get some mileage out of Return to Clark County. But that doesn't change the fact that they are both absolute atrocities. So then it raises the question of which is truly worse. And on one hand, you have Return to Clark County, which by every technical measure, and I mean pretty much any measure that you could apply to a film, if you're trying to you know, objectively say whether it's better or worse than another one, it fails. It fails in every category. It looks like shit. It sounds like shit. No one can act. It's it's just a complete mess of rehashed ideas and stupidity displayed in a way that is just like jaw-droppingly inept. It is, uh, you know, you, you think about movies, that you, oh, this is a terrible movie. The acting's bad. No, you have no idea. Watch Return to Clark County. It's going to take you places you've never been to before, mentally and emotionally, just because <laughs> it's so fucking atrocious in a very compelling way. So if you're into like watching a train derail and like hundreds of people light on fire, this is like the, the film equivalent to that. So, but in the end, at the end of the day, Return to Clark County, there's no way it was made for more than like a couple hundred dollars. If I had to guess it was made for like 20 bucks and the guy had like uh, his cell phone, a roll of duct tape and like two Snickers bars that he used to feed the cast. That's it. Whereas the ghost knows also a giant pile of shit that is terminally boring and like 30 minutes longer, significantly longer than Return to Clark County, it had all the power and might of the Alberta government. Like, this is a Alberta-financed film. Ah, uh, yes, public yet, uh, public television, mm-hmm. notoriously high budget. Hey, you know, it's it's higher than Return to Clark County. There was money put in this, probably a I'm big pretty tax sure my break. television is higher budget than the fucking Return <laughs> to Clark County. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So... With the money that came from, you know, whatever grants or whatever they got from the Canadian government, they still managed to create something that, in my mind, is about on equal footing in terms of, like, shittiness as Return to Clark County. So then you have to ask yourself, which one is the better movie? And honestly, if you got two piles of shit, but one was, was you know, it's, it's a big, expensive, golden, glittery pile of shit. I mean, come on. The ghost knows... You clearly have to vote for it as the worst movie because they had the resources, they had the time, they had the ability, well, maybe not the ability, but they could have made a better movie and they just, they fucking screwed up. They didn't do it. So there you go. That is why you have to vote in favor of The Ghost Knows being the worst movie. Myros, I'll let you defend your choice. This is flat out absurd. And Ghost Knows is, <laughs> it's... It's kind of interesting in ways. You, you see this guy, oh, Swathy, <laughs> Swathy Baskar. Now you're pushing it. Now everybody knows you're full of shit. No, no, no. Swathy Baskar. Even the filmmaker would be like, come on, you're, you're full of my fucking leg. I mean, consider this. The IMDb page for Ghost Knows. Swathy Baskar is the credited director twice with two different spellings of his name. The Amazon page is a third spelling of his name. It, <laughs> it, 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 there's a character named Esther McGarethuv Sanchez in a Canadian province for God fucking knows why. It's interesting. It's not good. And it loses steam horribly toward the end. But uh, I don't know. I feel like what you get with this movie is uh, a guy who cared and tried to translate some stuff and it didn't work. Like, he's probably not a native English speaker, and this script is kind of a fucking mess, 
And uh, same with the style. Like it's it's a style transplanted from one school of thought and one genre to to something it just does not fit. It doesn't work. I would call both of these atrocities as well, although at least a portion of this film it makes me curious. Like for the first half hour, Swathy, I was wrapped with this thing. I hope Swathy Basker is just a pseudonym for some like corn-fed Alberta boy, and and you're you're really showing your ass here. That's that's all I'm hoping for. <laughs> well, unless he's made up an elaborate online backstory, we've looked into Swathy to an extent. He he's from India. <laughs> he's a regular blogger in like 2011. Uh, you know, he's he's made Indian films, uh, mostly television works, but you know, there's there's something here and. I I don't know. Swathy tried. People tried. People, you know, bothered to read a script, uh, bothered to learn their lines, uh, you know, set up shots. They tried to do things. They probably <laughs> ran out of money very quickly, considering how, how it changes from drone to nothing right quick. And uh, yeah, it's a bad movie. But what the, Return to Clark County. Holy shit. It's a fucking pockmark on society. Like, it's one of the very worst films I've ever seen. I, I can't even fathom a competition between the two, frankly. <laughs> All right, Stephen Coleman, it's time for you to cast the deciding vote. Oh, man. Um, you know, I know I said earlier I felt very dirty after watching Return to Clark County. But at the same time, I felt kind of charmed by it and just... You know, maybe I just have a soft spot for a small community of people in a rural town just mm. really going for it when they still have, like, no clue how to go for it. Whereas, like, the ghost knows uh, there's an air of pretension to it. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, they had all the resources, had all the material, and it still just fell flat on its face. So, uh... I'm going to go with the ghost nose. Hell yeah, that's right. Streak is oh. broken. Suck it, Myros. Let the record show that uh, that somehow Return to Clark <laughs> County was named a, a better film than anything else in an episode of this show. <laughs> I love it. Everybody go watch Return to Clark County now. Oh, man, it feels good to be up nine to eight. How's that feel for you, Myros? Oh, this one, I, I can't. I, I'll just shake my head, you know. See, I feel like you could get a lot of enjoyment, and it never overstays its welcome. And this is like a good, like, you know, once we're able to all hang out again, have a bunch of people over, get drunk, get stoned or whatever, and just throw yeah. on Return to Clark County. Yep, while we, while we drink our red wine and whiskey martinis. <laughs> oh, my God. Stephen Coleman, thank you for making the right choice, as always. Um, you know, I re really appreciate you. Guess we'll wrap this thing up. Um, if you're listening to this podcast right now, do us a big favor. There is a link to our iTunes page in the description. So uh, click on that link. Go ahead and give us a five-star written review. Why a five-star written review? Well, uh, iTunes works off a cockamamie algorithm that encourages people to uh, do written reviews. And if you do a five-star written review... It boosts up our visibility on the old iTunes, and then more people can find the podcast, then we get more listeners, we make more content for you. Everyone's a winner. So that's great. You can also check out uh, Optimism Vaccine, which is the flagship podcast of the Optimism Vaccine Network. That is available to you as well. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, if you are Swathy Basker or uh, what's Mr. Ukulele, 
You can email us, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. If you want to do an interview, if you want to you know, tell us for assholes and defend your film, we'd love, love to have you on. So uh, open invitation for you. Um, other than that, I think that pretty much wraps things up, boys. Anything else we need to say? Uh, it's ghost time. It's ghost time. <laughs> <laughs> it's ghost time. I'm so happy on my way. 